Hello again, fight fans. Welcome to episode number 269 of the Neutral Corner Boxing Podcast. Back after a one-week hiatus. I missed you guys. I hope that you missed me and you're ready to do some TNC. This is episode 269 for the week of June 12th. And uh, June 13th, this Sunday, is my birthday. I'm officially turning 42 years old. Holy shit. Hey, I'm not yet in my mid-40s. I'm still in my early 40s, so I'll take it. But yes, I turned 42 this Sunday, so wish me a happy birthday on the chat. Uh, as always, I remind you guys, please, please, please make sure that you're subscribed to the Ring Digital YouTube channel. Make sure that you subscribe to Montero Unboxing's platforms, uh, my YouTube channel, and all the audio podcast platforms where you listen to this very show as we go live Monday, hear the video, and then Tuesday, the audio pod gets released. So, uh, make sure that you're subscribed. And I know you guys will say, oh, man, I know I'm subscribed. Well, guess what? Check again. Because as I always remind you, Google slash YouTube loves to do this crazy stuff with the algorithm. And they love to uh, unsubscribe people. I don't know why they do that. But it's what they do. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah. So, again, uh, this uh, this Sunday is my birthday. And uh, I'm kind of training right now, so I'm not going to be going out and doing anything too fun. No drinking right now. I'm eating good, uh, trying to cut down that weight. I got some stuff in the works for later this summer. It keeps getting delayed. I want to announce things. I want to tell you guys what's up. But because of the commission, because of uh, certain things that are completely out of my control, I can't announce anything officially right now. So I'm just being patient and I'm being uh, diligent in my training and keeping all that up. But I got to say, hey, man, for 42 years old this Sunday, I'm in pretty damn good shape right now. I'm pretty light on my feet. I'm moving pretty well these days. So uh, that's good, man. I've lost about 20 pounds since the start of the year. Anyway, um, lots to talk about, man. So let's uh, here. Let me jump over. Let me get my uh, banner showing. There it is. Yeah, we're going to start news and notes right now. We're going to jump right into this, guys. Um I think I, I think I skipped over this part of the intro. You guys know this. Uh, I am your host, Michael Montero, for Ring Magazine, RingTV.com, and the Ring Digital YouTube channel. I always that's always like right in the first sentence or two or three, and I skipped right over that today. You know, it is a rainy, drab, gray day here in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we could use the rain, so I ain't complaining. But it's one of those days, man, where you just want to take a nap. You just want to close your eyes and take a nap on the couch under under the blankets. But uh, it's not nap time. It's TNC time. So let's get right into the news and notes. And um, we, we, were, we were off last week. So there was a few things that happened, but not a whole lot of craziness. Uh, Jean Pascal tested positive for four different types of performance-enhancing drugs. I won't get into all the drugs and what all of them do. They're all bad. And um, considering the run that Pascal has been on recently in his career, uh, this this raises a huge cloud of suspicion. I, I was ringside for his fight with Badu Jack. That was on the undercard of the Davis-Gamboa fight. Uh, I think that was late 2019. It was probably December 2019. And, of course, Davis is going to fight here later this month back in Atlanta. But I thought that was a good, entertaining fight between Pascal and uh, Jack. But now we really got to call into question Pascal's win over Jack that night and then also his win over Marcus Brown. That came recently, um, and it, you know, look, I, I'm not th I'm not going to cast any aspersions or anything like that or make accusations. But uh, Jean Pascal was working with, I believe, Memo Heredia and his team, right? 
And uh, so do the Paul brothers. So do some other folks in boxing right now. And um, again, I'm not saying that this is 100% on those guys, but Jean Pascal was working with them and this happens. And there's a history with some of those folks and other people testing positive. Looks a little suspicious to me. So um, thank goodness for VADA testing, doing what they do, uh, because USADA and other testing programs, UCAD over in the UK are a complete joke and they're worthless. And they just hand out TUEs. Well, they don't just hand them out. They sell them when people test positive. VADA does their thing. Remember, it's the voluntary association. And um, so you got you to gotta pay unless you're part of the WBC program. We've talked about that before. That's a little flawed because the funding isn't quite there. But if you're paying to do VADA testing and um, Andrew using, it's kind of stupid. And look, it, it, we've seen cases where people have tested positive for traces of a certain banned substance here, there, and it can be explained through some sort of uh, accident, accidental ingestion or something like that. But when you test positive for three or four different things, man, I mean, this is like Jarrell Big Baby Miller-esque for Jean Pascal. This is just bad news. So he needs to go away now. You go bye-bye now. <laughs> uh, Showtime Boxing signed a deal with the Paul brothers and will be uh, showcasing their fights going forward. I guess Jake Paul is fighting some MMA guy I've never heard of who has limited stand-up skills for multiple reasons. And that's why Jake's going to fight him. And I guess that's going to be on Showtime. And this fight, this exhibition match between Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather, that was on Showtime as well. Or I should say Showtime pay-per-view, sorry, uh, the Paul Brothers fight. So I don't know what the hell is going on with Showtime Boxing. I do know that their last two regular boxing cards did abysmal ratings, just over 200,000 average viewers for the last couple regular Showtime Boxing main events. And that's not to beat up on Showtime Boxing, but those are abysmal ratings. And I do know that a portion of their ratings are going to the Showtime app they don't release those ratings. And for the record, DAZN doesn't release their ratings. We don't hear about the ESPN Plus ratings when it comes to boxing. So a lot of these people are, are hiding the ratings that we get. But man, Showtime Boxing, if you're buying into the Paul brother business, I know there's money involved in that. Although yesterday's show is going to be a financial bloodbath from what I heard uh, from multiple sources. But um, how much longer is Showtime going to be in the boxing business? I, I just don't know, man. I a lot of people are calling for Showtime, you know, the, the the extinction of Showtime boxing very, very soon. I don't think we're quite there yet. I, I do think they're going to be around for a little while. But the business plan right now, what is it? What exactly is the business plan? What is the business model? Because you go dormant for half the year and don't give us any news. And then suddenly you drop a, a pretty nice schedule on us. I, I got to say, great schedule that they have over the summer. Only one of those fights is pay-per-view, although it shouldn't be. But there's a great unification at 154, and there's some other good fights there. A couple unifications, actually. Uh, but if you're signing the Paul brothers and those fights are all going to pay-per-view, I, I get it. That makes a little money in the interim. But long-term, is that a business model that you can keep? Is there anything to build on there? I just don't know. It's difficult for me to say where all this stuff is going, man. But that's pretty much it with news and notes. For those of you just getting on the chat at the very, very beginning of the show, I said that uh, I mentioned that this Sunday, June 13th is my birthday. I will be turning 42 years old this Sunday. And uh, people are asking, hey, what are your plans? What are you going to do? Where are you going to go? 
pretty much keeping quiet, man. I don't want to drink. I don't want to eat bad because I'm trying not to do that right now. I'm trying to train for something, for some competition stuff later this year, uh, stuff that keeps getting pushed back, uh, the dates and everything. So I can't really make an official announcement yet. But yeah, I'm trying to be good, you know? So maybe I have one beer or something on my birthday, but that's pretty much it. Because I know a lot of you guys would be like, shorts, shorts, you know, for my birthday and stuff. And, and I appreciate it. I do. But I'm going to have to put all that on the side for now. Maybe uh, maybe New Year's Eve. We'll put that on the side for the New Year's Eve celebration. All right. That's it for news and notes. Um, I, I don't know how long this show is going to be, guys. It, I'm gonna. By the way, I'm going to jump to some calls, obviously, later on. So I see a couple of you guys already on the line. If you want, hang on the line or call back in a few minutes. But um, I did – I you listen – you guys out there know that I, I try different things on the show. Some things work, some things don't. We always fine-tune it. But there were a bunch of you who said that the last show had too many calls and the calls were too long. Okay, I heard you loud and clear. So on those days where we're getting a lot of calls, and there are just going to be days like that, guys, because, I mean, there was a hell of a fight that we talked about a couple weeks back, right? That uh, 140 unification. There was going to be a lot of callers for that. But I will do a better job in the future of keeping the calls shorter. So I ask that you guys who do call in, be ready to jump to it, man. Be ready to jump to your points and, and hit on your stuff because uh, we got to move it along because, uh, you know, there are people out there. Some people love the calls. Some people hate the calls. Personally, I, I like the calls. I love talking to you guys on the phone. That's why I got the phone lines. But sometimes we got to cut these calls a little shorter, maybe five minutes or less. All right. So public service announcement there as we get into the fight review. And we have a couple of things to review. Um, so because, again, I didn't do a show last Monday. So let's jump back Saturday, May 29th. I want to hit on these things. And also the last show, 268, I completely forgot about the preview part. We had so many calls. The show went over two hours, and I didn't even get to the fight preview. So I apologize for that, guys. It's hard when you're hosting by yourself. You know, there's a lot of stuff to cover and remember while you're live. And, um, you know, I just completely forgot i had my notes had it all lined up completely forgot so saturday may 29th devin haney scores a uh, unanimous decision win over jorge lenares on the zone this was from las vegas and uh haney got stunned late there was a little bit of holding or actually a lot of holding in the later rounds the crowd booed him there were a lot of people beating up devin haney on twitter and i tweeted some things that were taken as me um, dissing Haney, it wasn't dissing Haney, it was dissing the state of the game, right? The, the state of where boxing is at right now, because the reality is Devin Haney is 22 years old. He came into this fight with Jorge Linares as a prospect. I don't give a shit what the WBC says. And to be clear, he is the WBC's lightweight champion right now. That's that's officially what it is. Although uh, Tiafima Lopez is the franchise champion. Make sense of that however you want to. But technically, Devin Haney is the WBC title holder. Thing is, he was a prospect going into this fight. This fight was his entrance into contendership, into contender status. And he was supposed to take a few lumps in this fight. He was supposed to get hurt, get stunned, face some adversity, and pull through. That's how you build a prospect into a contender and a contender into a champion, and hopefully a champion into a star. Those are the steps. Now, unfortunately, the sanctioning organizations and the promoters and the fighters are all in bed with them in this regard, uh, but they've kind of ruined that process, and there are prospects out there with titles. 
And I get it. The fighters take the titles because the fighters want the paydays that come with the titles and the recognition. Let's be clear about something, though. Again, I don't give a shit what the WBC says. Devin Haney, I'll call him a contender now. He's a baby contender. He's a top 10 lightweight, lower top 10 lightweight, nowhere near the top five at 135, but he's in the top 10 now. And he's, he's you know, earned that position with this win over Linares. But this dude was getting seven-figure paydays as a prospect. He was getting seven-figure paydays for the last couple of years, I think, to fight B and C-level opposition for a title that he won over an email. So I tweeted about this, and I mentioned, and I'm not going to spend too long on this. I know a lot of you guys don't want to get into the politics, but I want to make it clear and put it on record because some people misinterpreted one particular tweet of mine. Because, I, you know, you have a character limit on Twitter. And I posted one tweet and nested it in a bunch of other tweets and kept retweeting, you know, like quote tweeting myself and adding, adding, adding to it. And in one of them, I mentioned that Devin Haney was privileged, you know, especially coming in, especially before the Linares fight, coming into the Linares fight. He proved himself a little bit with this performance, in my opinion, uh, even though it wasn't a scintillating performance. Again, he 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 passed the test. But. Man, he's privileged. Now, some people, the, the, that P word, that particular privileged word seems to really irk people and, and really, really um, touch people's heart politically because there's a lot of political subtext to that word, depending on what your political worldview is. And they, they said it was uh, my tweet. There are people out there saying my tweet was racially based and you know politically driven and no, it wasn't. I was just telling the truth about this new generation of fighters. I never said Devin Haney's the only overly privileged kid right now. Look at Ryan Garcia. Look at the freaking Paul brothers. They're not, they're not even boxers. Okay, so this goes around all around, all right, all different circles. But it's particularly, it's present mostly, I would say, with young American fighters. And in the case of Devin Haney, in this particular instance, because he was the guy fighting, uh, again, this dude was making seven-figure paydays and got a title over email, and he hadn't fought anybody. And now he finally fought a top-10 guy at Linares, a guy who has been stopped a couple times in recent years by smaller dudes, by the way, um, a, a guy that's well past his best days, put up a good fight in the last few rounds was really, I think, the last push in the career of Jorge Linares. Good for him. He's had a, a great career, but he's well past his best days, and Haney – um, passed the test, did everything you're supposed to do. Maybe it wasn't an A+, but it was a solid B, his performance in that fight, in my opinion. And I get it. People are like, well, he's a champion now, so we got to hold him to champion standards. Well, yes and no. I don't recognize Devin Haney as a champion. To me, the champion is Teofimo Lopez, okay? All the other shit is just noise. And I don't give a damn. Uh, Ryan Garcia is going to end up getting a chunk of a title at some point, and some of these other young guys without facing top elite level opposition that's what happens in the current state of boxing these young dudes are privileged and uh, you know i'm trying to think of a better word uh and the, uh, that also starts with peace so i also thought how about pampered does that make you guys feel more comfortable devin haney ryan garcia and several of these other young guys they're pampered does that make you feel better i'll use that word going forward okay we'll get we'll, we'll strike privileged from the record because that really bothered some of you Really, it was only like a small portion, but it's a very loud small portion. 90% of you understood what I was saying. But I'll use the word pampered 
These young dudes are pampered right now. The only ones I can't say that about are guys like Tiafima Lopez, who fought the top dude. You know, and there's a handful of these young guys. Josh Taylor, even though he's not young, he's 30 years old, but in his professional boxing career, he is young, less than 20 fights. Same thing with Alexander Usyk at cruiserweight, not necessarily at heavyweight, although he does want to fight the best. He wants to fight Anthony Joshua. It's Joshua's team that's dragging their feet when it comes to that matchup. But Usyk is 30, 31, 32, something like that. But in his boxing career, less than 20 fights, so still kind of young. So these guys are taking ch top challenges. I'm not talking about them. But these other young dudes who are fighting for high six figures, low seven figures, while they're still basically prospects, yeah, they're a little pampered. When you're getting a, a title belt through the email, while other dudes are fighting the dude who used to be the baddest man on the planet to win their titles, you're a little pampered. Sorry. Sorry if that offends some of you. And by the way, I'm not saying this to get down on Devin Haney. I got nothing against Devin Haney. I don't like some of the things he says or whatever, but he's just he's a young guy trying to uh, you know, boost his, his brand and all that. I, I get all of it. Okay, truly, I get it. But this, this isn't me hating the player. This is me hating the game. This is the, 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 the level of boxing in 2021 and the state of the sport in 2021 that drives me crazy. So I'm talking about that. Guys like Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, et cetera, they are a byproduct of the current state of boxing. It's not their damn fault. I ain't mad at Devin Haney for taking a title in the email. If you guys got the WBC emailed you a world championship belt with your name on it, would you tell them no? Fuck no. You take the damn title. So don't be mad. I'm not mad at Devin Haney or any of these other young guys. I'm mad at the game. But I'm calling it out. They're a little pampered. Yes, I said it. Sorry if that bothers you. Also, Saturday, May 29th, talking about the opposite of pampered. Nonito Donaire makes history. KO4 win over Nordin Ubali. This was on Showtime in Los Angeles. Wins the WBC Bantamweight title. Uh, and he became, I think, the oldest fighter on record to, uh, yeah, the oldest man to ever win a Bantamweight title. He's almost 39 years old. And he was coming off an 18-month layoff. Remember, Donaire's last fight was that tough fight with um, with Naoya Inoue. So this dude, you know, was in a tough fight of the year 18 months ago. You had the COVID thing. He tested positive. He says it was a false positive. He was really upset about the fight being delayed and all that because this fight with Ubali was supposed to happen last year. But here we are, right? And it happened, and he he maintains focus, the Filipino flash, gets the stoppage. And now this dude has won titles at 112, 118, 122, and I think he he unified at 22 and won the lineal legitimate championship there. So, you know, it bears repeating. Donito Donaire is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and what I love is he is the only fighter in all of boxing, actually the only athlete in all of sports. This goes beyond boxing, okay? The only athlete in all of sports, in a modern era of sports, to sign up for VADA testing 100%, 365 every day of the year at his expense. And he's been doing this for years. He is the first and only. Canelo Alvarez did it for one year, one year. And that was following a suspension when he tested hot. And there's some, look, the way he tested hot when he tested hot for all that is a little gray area. Okay. But Canelo tested hot for a year after that, his suspension, he, he did VADA testing. He deserves credit. He did a full year of that. But Donito's been doing this for years. 
And this is a dude who's moved up and down in weight. Guys, to be almost 39 years old, winning titles, legitimate titles against legitimate dudes in those lower weight divisions, I'm talking 126 and, and under, that is big time stuff. I, that, that's, I'm not going to say all time great. No, Nito's not there, but absolutely first ballot Hall of Famer. And whatever ticket he's on, he's probably going to be the best fighter on that ticket. You know, five years after, or a few years after he retires, he'll be one of the five guys, I should say, that is going to get the vote. Uh, and, and well deserved. So he uh, drops Ubali twice in the third, once in the fourth. Absolute domination, fantastic performance. Also on this card, uh, Subriel Matias and Gary Antoine Russell got KO wins. As I mentioned, though, at the top of the show, the main event for this fight averaged 200,000, just over 200,000 viewers. Uh, it was just over 200,000 viewers for Showtime's previous main event on May 15th, where Brandon Figueroa fought Louis Neri. Those are bad numbers, dude. Those are bad numbers. And I get it. A, a, a good chunk of the ratings are on the Showtime app, although they're not sharing those ratings, okay? And I can tell you guys this. If the ratings on the Showtime's app were much, much bigger than the ratings on Showtime, the, the TV network, the people at Showtime, the PR people, would be releasing the numbers. And believe me, they have the data. All that trending analysis is there. They have people tracking this stuff. If the numbers were spectacular, if they dwarfed the TV numbers, we'd be hearing them. They'd be released in the public. The fact that they're not tells me that these shows, top to bottom, are not doing very good ratings. It's such a shame because I, I thought that card, uh, that card on May 29th from Showtime from PBC, that was a pretty good card with a solid main event. And uh, you know, especially Nodito Donaire, he he deserved more people to see that fight after the contribution he has made to this sport. All right, um, Super Chat Pledge from Feeling Dangerous 113. Thank you so much. He says, happy birthday. I'm on a slight delay late getting here. Do you think Linares gets another shot at some point? He still puts on a good show. I think we, we look, in my opinion, again, the last few rounds against Haney was kind of the last stand of his career. That was the last, you know, because he really almost had Devin, right? He was really making a strong push. Just started too late and, you know, just didn't quite have enough. Now, a prime Jorge Linares against this version of Devin Haney, I think Haney would have been in trouble. He wouldn't have been in big trouble. But, um, yeah, he'll be in there again against the top 10 dude. He will. He'll be in there against the top guy uh, What maybe one more time if he wants to be. And it seems like he loves training. He's happy where he is in his career. He came out really without any injuries. So I absolutely think he'll be back. Do I think he'll win another title, a legitimate title? No. I just think that Jorge Linares has passed that point in his career, and there's no shame in that, man. He's had a good career. Really beautiful fighter to watch. Flawed, especially defensively, but um, been in some great fights, done very well for himself, won titles, made money, and been a guy that has been willing to you know, stamp his passport, fight on the road. You know, the, the sport could use more Jorge Linares in it today. So thank you for the super chat. Thanks for the birthday shout out, man. I appreciate it. Okay, let's talk about uh, these fights last week. So Saturday, June 5th, a couple of heavyweight fights. Ajit Kabayel approved to 21-0 with a unanimous decision win over Kevin Kingpin Johnson. This is in Germany. Johnson is 3-10 going back to 2017. He has lost 10 of his last 13. 
he has basically become a guy for prospects to build titles or titles, uh, resumes off of. At this point, beating Kevin Johnson in 2021 doesn't even do what it did for you in 2015, right? Or even 2018. So Ajit Kabayel, I just don't know what to think about this guy. I don't see a future world champion here. I think if you're at that level, you stop this version of Kevin Johnson or at least seriously, seriously hurt him and beat him up because he has been stopped a few times. Johnson is known to go rounds. He helps guys you know, get rounds and learn things. So that's good. But uh, man, at some point, I hope this dude's getting paid well because at this point, he's just getting beat up to take L's to pad dude's records. So at some point, him and his team need to have a look in the mirror. Also, Daniel Dubois, KO2 win over Bogdan Dinu. If you uh, if you bet the over on this, I think the over-under was like four rounds. If you bet the over, you're dumb. <laughs> this whole fight was designed as a layup for Dubois. Uh, to, uh, this wasn't about getting rounds in. This was straight up to get confidence back. So he improved to 16-1, and one, and there's rumors he may face Trevor Bryan next. I think... Dubois has a piece of the WBA heavyweight crown. I think Trevor Bryan has a piece. I don't know which piece. I think they have like five title holders at heavyweight. Seriously, I'm not even exaggerating. So maybe those two guys fight each other next. I think Dubois would mess Bryan up pretty well. But Bryan's big enough and uh, could survive rounds in there. That would be a good rounds fight for Dubois who continues to develop as a prospect. Don't give up on him just yet, just because he got beat down by Joe Joyce. In the end, he wasn't quite ready for that fight. And that that matchup against Joyce exposed some holes in his game. But he can fix that. He's super young. So so, uh, Danny Dubois is a prospect that I'm still keeping my eye on. I I truly am. All right. And then Sunday, June 6th. um, (laughs) I don't know what to call this. Uh, the main event was an exhibition, but the other cards or the other fights on the card were not. So this was a Showtime championship boxing pay-per-view from Mayweather Promotions in top to bottom. And this is not to hate on Floyd or anything like that, but it just is what it is. This was one of the worst pay-per-view cards in recent memory for a mainstream boxing pay-per-view card that they were charging money for. Uh, I know there have been plenty of pay-per-views where they're charging 10 bucks, 20 bucks for club shows and stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking big name, you know, one of the big platforms promoting it. This is one of the worst pay-per-views in recent memory. And also, not just because of the fights, but Showtime's performance. I, I don't know because I didn't watch. I didn't watch a stream. I didn't buy this. I just had no interest. It wasn't to hate. I said no interest, but... I saw a bunch of you guys tweeting, and I I read certain uh, articles and stuff today that were talking about the fact that Showtime's uh, stream was down if you ordered the the pay-per-view on the app, or even if you ordered it on their TV network, it was down. And they're actually giving out refunds. There there are links out there. If you guys experienced glitches or you had problems with the stream, if you were one of those people that paid for it, uh, you probably don't deserve a refund for being that gullible, but you can get a refund. So um, if you did have trouble, go out there. Um, if, if, if you want guys, um, just post a comment on this video or DM me or whatever on Twitter. And I'll give you a link where you can fill out. I think you have to fill out a form or something and you can get a refund. Okay. Uh, because if you're going to pay for a shit show, at least you should be able to watch it without any interruption. So this card was at the hard rock stadium in Miami and ticket sales, as I told you, and I've told several of you on Twitter, uh, because I've talked to several ticket broker friends, friends of mine, 
uh, they told me that the ticket sales were very, very poor. And again, that wasn't to hate. It wasn't me talking trash. It's just the reality of the situation. And if you saw the broadcast, I saw many of you tweeting about this. The crowd looked sparse. And it wasn't because there was rain going. It's because they just didn't sell the damn tickets. What they did do was sell slash give away a bunch of high price tickets to some celebrity people and stuff. So uh, in the lower bowl around the ring, apparently, and this is what I've been told by the, the people uh, in the know that I talked to, they did sell some high price tickets right there around the ring. But the mids, mid price and low price tickets did not go. They had a lot of trouble selling tickets to this show. And it was just vast, vast contrast to recent shows that we saw from Canelo Alvarez, including his fight in Florida, which was mandated by the state government to have limited capacity. But for the limited capacity it had, it sold very, very well. And if you look at the opponent he was facing, it was a mandatory opponent who wasn't going to go more than three or four rounds. That card sold pretty well when, um, when Canelo fought in Miami earlier this year. And then what he just did in Dallas, of course, or Arlington, I should say, specifically, a suburb of Dallas, um, that was like, holy shit, that was an amazing crowd, right? So this was vast contrast to that. So I do think more and more people are waking up to this clown stuff and saying, you know what, ain't worth my money to go down there and be a part of this. However, a lot of you must order the pay-per-view because there are a lot of you complaining. So uh, let's talk about the undercard real quick. Luis Arias scores a split decision win over Jarrett Hurd. Uh, Arias was down in the ninth, but he pretty much controlled the action for a good two-thirds of this fight, I would say. Enough so. It wasn't like a completely one-sided fight, but it was clear enough where he won this fight, in my opinion. He clearly won this fight. Competitive, close, but he won. Uh, this was Hurd's first fight at 160. He has spent his career being a weight bully at 154. And I like Jared Hurd because of his style, his willingness to fight guys. He has fought top guys. And he's performed well for the most part. But J-Rock, to a certain extent, kind of took Hurd's soul. Because after that fight, uh, Hurd, you know, coming off a one-and-a-half-year layoff, looked flat in this fight. And he's just not going to be the same guy at 160 that he was at 154. Those same advantages that he had at 54, not going to have him at 60. And I always thought maybe the extra weight would do Hurd good, that maybe he'd have a little more offensive output, a little more stamina at 160 than he had at 154. It, sh it sure didn't look like it. And maybe he got a bad case of COVID or something, and they say that that does hurt your your um, your respiratory, your recovery, and, and your conditioning for a little while. Maybe some of that was going on. We've seen that with a couple guys. I'm not sure. It just doesn't look like the same dude that we were seeing at 154 for a while. So I don't know where Jarrett Hurd goes from here, to be honest with you guys. I really, really don't. Um, because on the, on the surface, Hurd was supposed to win this fight, right? He, he was the A-side coming in. This was supposed to be not a gimme, not a layup, but he was supposed to win this fight and show he's a top 10 guy, borderline top 10 guy right now at 160. He didn't pass that test. So he's kind of floating in limbo right now, and I don't know quite what to make of Jarrett Hurd. Padu Jack scores a TKO4 win over uh, Dervin Corlino, who is a last-minute replacement for the drug cheat. So in the main event, Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight to a distance. Okay, let's rant about this because here, let me let me get some drink of water here. Let me cleanse my palate. Ah, there we go. All right, I had to prepare myself. 
Logan Paul and Floyd Mayweather fight to a distance. And I saw tweets about this and articles about this. The podcasts are talking about it. And there are people out there who are surprised. And the debate is, was this a moral loss for Floyd Mayweather because he couldn't knock out Logan Paul? Is this a moral win for Logan Paul because he went eight full rounds with the best boxer of the generation? Blah, blah, blah. Man, it, it drives me crazy how easily people are duped into these narratives. It's just crazy. And I know, man, that's part of being involved in sports. And if you want to have a network job, especially if you look at the, the shows like First Take and those sorts of shows on ESPN, that's all it is, is casual take after casual take. It's just obvious fluff. It's just puff piece after puff piece. And I, I, I can't do it. I'm just not built that way. But casuals eat that shit up. And this event, I saw people that normally don't talk about boxing, barstool sports and people like that talking about this and buying into all these casual narratives that anybody with an ounce of boxing history, an ounce of boxing knowledge cuts through with a plastic butter knife instantly like it's hot butter. But it fools these people. Guys, I'm not saying that there's conspiracy afoot. I'm not saying that this is, you know, all planned and ordained by a group of elitist Illuminati in a room somewhere months ago. <laughs> they planned out every round of this fight. I'm not saying that. But if you've been around long enough, okay, this is what Floyd does. And I'm not hating on Floyd at all. I, I used to criticize Floyd a lot. And most of my criticism of Floyd was because he called himself the best fighter ever. He said he was fighting the best. He sold people a bill of goods that was complete and utter bullshit for the most part. It was smoke and mirrors, low risk, high reward, manipulation of, of gullible fans, uh, ignorant fans that didn't have the sophistication, the, the boxing knowledge and history that he could just take advantage of. And that used to kind of drive me nuts. But I'm at a point now where I get it. I, I just understand it. And it doesn't bother me. I don't get worked up about it. Floyd told you all, he told you, this is legalized bank robbery. He said that in, in it. I don't know what interview it was or whatever in the lead up to the fight. And some of you were outraged at that comment. Some of you were like, oh my God, how could he say this? Oh my God, you were just so outraged because everyone's outraged all the time now, right? People just wake up ugh, outraged. Floyd is being honest. He, he stopped bullshitting you guys. He's actually... He got over being the, the snake oil dude, and he's just telling you the truth. He's like, yeah, this is legalized bank robbery. Shit, they're just giving me $10 million. Why not? Why not beat the hell out of this kid and get $10 million? Cool. This is free money. He told you all what it was, and you still bought into it and expected a different outcome. What is the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result, right? Floyd's just doing his thing. And Logan Paul, to his credit, I ain't mad at him. He's just doing his thing. They're, they're two sides of the same damn coin. Logan Paul is the new, the Paul brothers are the new Floyd Mayweather. That, that's pretty much the truth here. It's you guys out there who are the crazy people because you keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. You're mad that Floyd didn't go for the kill. Some of you are now, what's so genius about what Floyd and Logan did here is that there are people debating on Twitter. Logan Paul's 
fans think he got ripped off. They think he won the fight because he threw more punches. I'm, I've seen videos and tweets saying, look at how many more punches Logan threw. He won the fight because he threw more punches. They're actually saying that. And of course, Floyd's fans are saying, man, this dude's half his age, gave up 50 pounds. He couldn't even hurt Floyd. Floyd is the best fighter ever. Sugar Ray Robinson couldn't last two rounds with this chump or with this dude. And, and, and so they're believing that. It's genius. And, and you guys in the middle are like, oh my God, I paid $50 for this shit and I expected a stoppage. Did you really? Did you not think that there was a gentleman's agreement here? Because the Paul brothers have a brand that's going to be going for the next 10 plus years. They're going to not, they're not going to be in boxing 10 years from now. They're going to go into some other endeavor. Maybe it's music or acting or whatever the hell it is, but they'll, they'll go into something else, but they're going to be in boxing for at least the next five years, guys. They ain't going nowhere. They're like, holy shit, this is the easiest. It is so easy to manipulate people over here. Yeah, let's stay in boxing for a while while we're young and can do this shit. But Paul's people met with Floyd's people. And I'm sure there was a discussion like, okay, dude, we can't, we can't get mangled and embarrassed in here. We got to save some face. We can't look stupid. How, how do we meet in the middle on this thing? And Floyd's team was like, dude, we're in our mid-40s. We ain't fought in four years. We don't want to look stupid either. And so they sat down, chopped it up, negotiated, and came up with exhibition. And some of you are surprised at the outcome. I, I, I'm not mad at Floyd. I'm not mad at Logan. It's you people who are nuts because you're expecting a different result. And, dude, go back to Floyd's fighting career. This is the same guy that charged you $80 to fight Robert Guerrero, Andre Berto. Um, he fought Zab Judah coming off a loss. I believe that was on pay-per-view. Carlos Baldemir, that was a pay-per-view. Marco Smidana twice. Those were pay-per-view fights. This is the same dude who fought, what, tension? Who, who, the Nevada State Athletic Commission, Floyd Mayweather ran that commission. Okay, it wasn't Bob Bennett. Fuck that. It was Floyd. Bob Bennett did what Floyd told him to do. And Floyd got them to sanction a fight with Conor McGregor is a legitimate boxing fight. Okay? They reg that commission regularly turns down opponents for top rank or whoever's going there to put on a fight uh, with their prospects. They'll say, ah, you can't put your prospect in there with this guy. He's got a record of three and 15. He's been knocked out three of his last four fights. They'll, they'll cut those fights all the time because they're undercard fights, but they sanctioned a fight between Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor is a legitimate fight that is on Floyd's legitimate boxing record. Okay. That's the dude that you all are somehow believing is going to come into an exhibition match with Logan Paul and go for the kill and go for a knockout. Grow up. Grow up. Legalize bank robbery. Did that really offend you? Did that really bother you? Floyd was just telling you the truth. It's your stupid ass who, who like wants to get upset about that. I just, I, I can't believe some of you are surprised by this. However, let me say this. The quicker Floyd finally does go away the quicker that Manny Pacquiao and I respect Pacquiao so much for fighting Errol Spence but I think he's going to lose that fight okay him Mike Tyson Oscar De La Hoya there's several others that I'm forgetting the sooner those guys go off into the distance and finally finally retire for good 
the sooner this new generation can step up and take over. And I know some of you out there will say, well, this new generation needs these old school guys because they're the brands. Yes, if in the case of a Pacquiao Spence, I agree with you. Because in that case, the previous generation, because Pacquiao is not a fighter of this generation, he's of the previous generation. He's fighting a guy of this generation, right? So Pacquiao is going to build up Errol Spence's name. Now, in that case, yeah, stick around, dude. But if these old dudes want to come back and fight the Paul brothers or fight each other, they want to do a one-off grudge match, okay, have fun, whatever. But if you're doing this multiple times, it's not helping, especially these guys that are calling themselves promoters. Like Oscar De La Hoya is supposed to be promoting his young fighters. Unless you're going to get in there and fight one of these new young guys and build up their name, dude, pull back. Let, let it go. Your time has come and gone. Thank you for your contribution. We all owe you a debt for, for what you did for boxing. But it's time to walk into the sunset. Let these young guys have their time. It's also time for these young guys to step up and push out the gen old generation because that's the truth. If these young cats would step up, these old dudes wouldn't have as many opportunities to come back. And by the way, let me say one last thing. If, you're, if you were one of the people that bought the uh, Mayweather-Paul exhibition and you knew what it was and you didn't care, you're like, this, what was it, 50, 60 bucks? And you were like, dude, I just want to see the freak show. I want to see the circus. I'm a degenerate. I buy everything. I just want to watch this and laugh my ass off and have some fun. Cool. No harm, no foul. I'm not talking about you guys. Because a lot of you guys are the same crowd that bought the uh, Mike Tyson, Roy Jones, Triller show and things like that. Like, I ain't talking about you guys are just watching the circus, man. You're having fun. That's cool. I'm talking about the people right now that they're complaining and mad. Like, man, that fight sucked. This pay-per-view sucked. He said he was going to go for the knockout. He said this is going to be a war. Dude, grow the fuck up. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. All right. Uh, let's see. Jack is mad. Jack, you're coming off very entitled right now, Jack. You're in the chat saying it's time to answer calls. My show, pal. Chill the fuck out. All right. Let's see. Do we have any other? Yeah, Twall in the chat says, I think we degenerates already know this stuff. Yes. And if you're watching this show, you're a fight degenerate like me. I get it. Okay. But there are people out there that really, really are upset and like surprised at what took place. So, like, that's kind of, I just have to have a little fun. I just have to have a little fun. One foot out the door says, who's Logan's fan base in the first place? I think young girls, honestly. But I, I truly don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Christopher Otto, what's up, Chris? He says, to be fair, Mike, what fighter is currently trying to plant his own flag to rise above? That's a great point. That's a great point. And, and it goes right to, to the last point I was trying to make. I mean, it is up for, to these young guys to like push the old generation out. And that's generally speaking what happens. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua pushed Vladimir Klitschko into retirement. I give Vlad props for fighting them when he didn't have to, but <clears throat> they pushed him out the door, right? <clears throat> there was no space for him anymore. I mean, Vlad... Vlad could come back and still fight and do it, but he realized, okay, these are the top dudes now. These the, the young guns are doing their thing, right? It's like back in the day when Michael Jordan pushed Magic Johnson and Larry Bird out. You know what I'm saying? It was his time. Those were the dudes. They paved the way for Jordan. 
Jordan pushed them out. Uh, that's how this thing's supposed to work. In a big sense, like Oscar De La Hoya helped build up Pacquiao with their fight. That was one generation passing the torch to the next. And now Pacquiao is probably going to do that for Errol Spence. There's a chance Pacquiao could win that fight, but I don't think so. I think Spence is going to win. So if Spence wins that fight, it's a passing of the torch kind of a thing. And that's what you want to see in boxing. Uh, but it is up to the young guys to push out these old dudes. I agree with you. Uh, Twal1999 says, Pac is the exception at 42, still ruling the welterweight division and beating up on Al Heyman's stable. Hey, man, there ain't nothing wrong with 42-year-olds still doing their thing, just like me. Uh, but look, I don't know if he's ruling the welterweight division, okay? Uh, Pacquiao hasn't fought Crawford or Spence yet. Now, if he beats Spence, totally different discussion, dude. But him beating an old, or I'm sorry, not an old, but I, I think a half mentally checked out Keith Thurman, outstanding win considering all the intangibles like age and, and all that natural size and strength. Yes. But, um, I, I just, I think Keith Thurman's always been a little overrated. And by the way, I said that before that fight, I know one of these guys just jumping out right now. So yeah, I, I don't think that, uh, pack is running the show at welterweight right now. He hasn't fought in a long time. Yeah, Andrew Smith says Pac is not ruling anything. I, I hear you on that. Isa, what's up, man? He says, I think Pac is going to beat Arrow. Now, look, again, if he beats Arrow Spence, totally different discussion. Totally different discussion. Ray Valero, oh, man. He says, or Jordan pushing out Isaiah Thomas. Uh, Ray's from Chicago, and he knows I'm from Detroit. So you just had to get that dig in against my bad boys. Isaiah Thomas was my hero growing up. Even more so than Tommy Hearns. Yeah, he was my hero. Isaiah was my dude, man. That was my favorite player growing up. All right, let's get into the fight preview, shall we? And then I promise I'll get to some calls, all right? I know a couple of you are mad right now, but look, man, got to do it. Uh, got to get through all this. Then we can take some calls. Uh, Chris Bergen, I got to say, uh, has a good comment here. Uh, Klitschko would still, be most, would still beat most of the top 15 right now. I agree with you on that. I, I do. It's just like Manny Pacquiao would beat most of the top 15 welterweights right now. But would he beat the very top couple guys? I don't know about that. I don't think so. And I see uh, Klitschko in the same light. All right, uh, preview guys, real quick. UFC Fight Pass has a card from Mexico this Thursday, June 10. Saturday, June 12, we have a couple different cards. Over in the UK, Matchroom on the Zone, Eagles Community Arena in Newcastle. Lewis Ritson. 4-0 since his lone pro loss in 2018, going up against Argentinian Jeremias Nicolas Ponce. And then here in the United States at the Virgin Hotels in Las Vegas, it is top rank on ESPN slash ESPN+. Plus. In the main event, Shakur Stevenson, 15-0, 23 years old, going up against Jeremiah Nakatia, Nakatila from Namibia. I used to date a girl from Namibia. Really, really pretty girl. Really, really cute girl. She's married now with a few kids. Still looks pretty good, you know, but yeah. It's the data girl from Namibia. Anyway, Shakur Stevenson, yet to fight a legit top 10 130-pounder. Uh, legit top 10 light or junior lightweight. You know, has I wanted to say light, lightweight. <laughs> uh, but so Stevenson is another one of these guys that I'm going to use that word pampered. I know, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to offend some of you. I know some of you out there are going to get your panties in a bunch. I won't use the other P word. I'll just say pampered. The only difference with Stevenson is he did go to the Olympics. 
right? And, and I do think that you go to the Olympics, you you fare well in the Olympics. Then when you go pro, you're going to be a little pampered. You're going to get a little golden road treatment compared to other guys who didn't. So uh, Stevenson did more as an amateur in that respect than guys like Devin Haney and Ryan Garcia, right? Uh, but he, again, is part of this generation that's a little pampered, in my opinion. But um, I, I expect a, a big win from him here. Jose Pedraza going up against Julian uh, Rodriguez, who is a 21-0 and prospect out of New Jersey. Two, uh, 221 wins as an amateur uh, and only nine losses. That's what his team reports. And that's a 140-pound fight. So this is a step-up fight for this prospect, Julian Rodriguez. Let's see what he could do against Pedraza. I think that's an interesting matchup. That's it for the preview, guys. Um, uh, so, yeah, not as much going on right now. I, I want to, you know, I don't want to say dog days of summer, but <clears throat> the schedule isn't that loaded at the moment. Ah, you can tell that I've been off for a week because I'm losing my voice. I usually get through the show without losing my voice. Uh, Super Chat Pledge. Let's jump over here to Carlos Cabrera. What's up, Carlos? Thank you so much for the super chat. He says, let's not forget Donaire. I think he's an all-time great at the current weight class. Great point, man. Um, he's almost 39. And again, at 118, if you're almost 39 and you're competing at that level, beating legit dudes, um, that's pretty special. You know, uh, at 126 and below, pretty much, man, your mid-30s is generally when guys are just done. I don't even want to say past their prime. They're kind of done in their mid-30s. And there's a couple of dudes right now performing at a very high level, uh, older than that. And Donaire is one of them. That, that was an outstanding performance. And what's crazy is Donaire says he wants a rematch against Inoue. I mean, it, you know what? It could happen. He has that title now. It could happen. And who the hell wouldn't want to see that? I know I sure as hell would. If they do that, man, bring it to Vegas. Please bring it to Vegas. Another super chat from Feeling Dangerous 113. Thank you so much. He says, Well, I would have bought it if it was Triller. I think you're talking, you're probably thinking about, or I guess you're referring to the Mayweather Paul fight. So if it was Triller, you would have bought it. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Thank you for the super chat. Uh, JM says, You're going to get in trouble with your wife, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Here's the thing, man. Guys, if you get with a good woman, you know, and, and that it's, it's a very important decision in your life. Uh, if I could give a little unsolicited advice, if you get with a really, really good woman, your life will prosper. And the one thing about me and my wife is we know, we know each other's junk. She knows all my messed up shit that I did, all my crazy bullshit. She didn't really do too much messed up stuff. She's a much better person than me, but she knows just all my history. So I could talk about the Namibian girl I dated on the show. It's like, that's not going to bother her. There's nothing um, that I can say or that she's going to learn that's going to bother her because I've pretty much told her everything. I'm a pretty open book. That's the thing too with uh, my haters on Twitter and stuff. It's like the worst thing you could find about me is a poorly word tweet. Yeah, they go digging in my personal life. Trust me, I see it. I, I know when people are researching me and stuff um, and you know they don't find anything in my personal life because there's nothing you're going to find. So the, the worst you're going to find about me is a nasty tweet or something. Anyway, Mal in the chat says, in a way in his eye socket, wouldn't want to see that. Oh, play on words. That too. Uh, yeah, well, 
maybe not, but I, I, I get the sense from in a way that he's this proud warrior and he's, you know, willing, willing to fight the best dudes. I, he went in that tournament and he didn't have to. So I think he'd take that rematch. I really do. W. Riles says miss matchroom boxing. Yeah, that's not a very good card for matchroom. Matchroom has been crushing it this year, but their schedule over the summer is eh, not very good. Um, they had a great start to the year. I think Showtime is going to have the strongest schedule over the summer. Come, you know, fall and the fourth quarter and everything. Let's see what happens. But uh, Matchroom, yeah, they, they got to figure some things out, man. The um, the whole heavyweight situation really, really hurt them. Really hurt them bad. Man, I scared everyone off the phones. I had like three uh, calls on hold. I scared all you guys off. See how it is? I understand you guys want to talk. Cool, but I'm just saying this week, I just wanted to, you know, get everything out of the way first and then do calls. Guys, just a little patience. Jeez, jeez. Scared all you off. One foot out the door says, honesty is the best policy. Yes. And let me tell you, I spent a long time, and some of you guys don't want to hear this, maybe. Just tell me, I'll shut up. But you know I don't mind sharing my personal life. Uh, I, I was an absolute man whore. I've talked about this before. And I was a lying sack of shit. I was just a piece of crap for a long time, okay? And then you meet the right girl. And maybe some of it is just maturity. But you meet the right girl that makes you want to stop being a piece of shit. And so you stop being a piece of shit. You grow up. And then it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. I think I'm going to marry this one. And boom, that's how it happens. That's how it happened. I never thought I'd get married, man. I never thought I'd get married. And then it was like, suddenly the prospect of it was like, this doesn't sound too bad. This sounds pretty cool. Because of what I have with my wife, the dynamic we have together and everything, it works. Ray Valero, uh, the super chat. Thank you so much. He says, uh, how high would you think Inoue could go 130? I'd say right now, the cap for him, I'd say is 126. 126. And I think it's a slow build. Where he's at right now, keep him there. Let's see him clean out that division, right? And then move him up slowly. I don't want to see Inoue be one of these guys that does one fight and jumps up. One fight, jumps up. Oh, man, let him settle. Let him settle. <clears throat> All right, I think we have a call here. Whoever I scared is back, one of them. <laughs> Let's jump to the phones real quick. Uh, let me see, make sure I got my phone line on. Yep, okay. All right, uh, 401, 401, you're on the show. What's up? What's going on, Mike? It's Isan. Isan, what's up, my man? How you doing? Pretty good. I didn't, I, um, I wasn't scared off the line. I actually just told right now. Oh, okay, so cool. I, I got a call. <laughs> Yeah, I, I wanted to ask. Um, I almost got my question. Um, so, if Taylor goes to 147, what do you see for him besides Crawford? That's a good question because um, there's uh, going to be in the same situation. As yeah, Jordan. yeah. I think that look, there, there's possibly. I think at some point, Tiafimo Lopez is going to be around because I don't know if Tio is going to stick around at 140 forever, right? So, there's a possible fight with Tiafimo Lopez. Uh, there's a couple other young guys, uh, prospects right now, the top ranks building up, but he is going to face a lot of the same problems that um, that Crawford faced. So, look, a fight with Crawford would get him a title, or it could work his way into a mandatory situation against Errol Spence, who's going to have most of the titles. 
So if he could get in there, let's say, work his way into a mandatory position with the BC or BA or whatever and force a fight with Errol Spence, that's a big fight, man. That's a big fight. Yeah, that's true. Um, the same issues that Crawford's having with the other champions, obviously. Yeah. BC, top rank. Oh, come on, dog. Um, <laughs> dog <laughs> what kind of dog is that? Yeah, is that whatever, whatever. that sounds like one of those mini dogs? Is that like? Do you have like a little mi- like a rat yeah, dog? Yeah. No, no, it's, it's my girlfriend. He has a, a little Chihuahua, but he's actually oh. he's not bad. He actually never barks. It's just that he's like very protective. So when the door opens, he's like, he oh, I got like you. that. Like what you'd expect of a little little mini Mexican dog. <laughs> gotcha. What do you think of um? I think I think I can see Teofimo versus uh, Ramirez at 140 before Taylor for one of the vacant titles when uh yeah when Taylor moves up. That's, that's, what had, that's what Ramirez said, too. He said he wants to face Teofimo for any of the belts. Yeah, I, I welcome up. that fight. Obviously, that's huge. Uh, Sam A. in the chat just said Regis Progray. He wants a rematch with Taylor, and that would be at 147. That would be a good fight, and I think he deserves a rematch. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah Regis has been saying he's had a trouble making 140 for a while, too. So, yeah. That will be that would be it. Yeah, I think all the guys that went 40 could easily do like a tournament at 147. Do do Ramirez versus Progray that 140 for one of the titles or Ramirez versus Tiafimo, you know? I I think uh, Progray would stop Teal though, honestly. Progray? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, Progray yeah, is an explosive so. hard puncher, man. Yeah, true. And he's like, he's bigger. Like, um, Teal, he's, he's big at 135, but I don't know about 40 though. I'm not sure. Yeah. I think, and the thing is, man, Tio's going to wind up at 47 at one point when he hits his, like, you know, when he late 20s, early 30s, he's going to be at 47. It's going to be interesting to see how he fares at 47. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. He's, I think, I think Ramirez versus Tio, I think that's going to be the fight for Tio soon. Like, maybe, like, I don't know. I just don't, I think Haney versus Tio makes the most sense, but I don't know. I just, it's, it's just hard to see happening. Yeah, unfortunately, sure. that fight ain't happening. And I'd love to see it. I would love to see it, but it ain't happening. Not anytime soon. Uh, unfortunately, not until they're like uh, 28, probably. Yeah, I mean, maybe one day at 147, that's when they finally fight. You know, all these guys, well, let's, let's see, uh, Ryan Garcia, Shakur Stevenson, all these guys are going to be at 40, 47 in the coming years. And maybe that's when they start fighting. I'm cool with that. I just want to see them fight, you know. Yeah, it's just going to suck, though, because Teal's never going to have the full um, undisputed credit that he deserves. Well, if he could get a fight with Taylor right now, he could. But, oh, you mean at 35? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the yeah. WBC, man. Like, yeah, yeah, I don't put that on Devin Haney. I put that on the WBC. Yeah, people blame Teal, too, as if he had anything to do with it. Like, yeah. All he did was just face the best. Yeah, that's not Teal's fault at all, man. And it's it's like, does anyone out there doubt that Tiafima Lopez would fight Devin Haney right now? I don't. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I, I just think Tia would wreck him up. Not, I think it would be like a chess match at first. But mm-hmm. I just think down the stretch, I think, I think Tia would maybe not stop him, but I think he'd get like maybe drop him or just start beating him up late. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, based on what we've seen from both of them, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, I just think Teal's a little more. I think Teal's a little, but maybe not a lot. But he's pretty handily ahead of Haney right now, which is fine. I mean, they're still both growing. Mm-hmm. 
Well, when you fight with Nakatani, yeah, right. Kome, and Lomachenko, yeah, you're going to be ahead, <laughs> you know? Yeah, way ahead. <laughs> All right, it was good talking to you. I just wanted to call and see what's up. All right, brother. Have a good one, man. All right. All right. You too. Bye. Chris Bergen in the chat says, if you're undisputed to move up, aren't you guaranteed a title shot? Isn't that what happened with Usyk with the BO? So that's a specific rule with the WBO. Uh, if you have the WBO championship at whatever weight, if you move up, you can request being a mandatory for the WBO at the new weight. So if Taylor wanted to, he could immediately be the WBO mandatory for uh, Terrence Crawford at 147. But if I were him, I'd try to work into a mandatory with the BC or one of them to go after Spence because he's going to have, what, three of the titles soon? If he, I think he has two of them now. So, all right, well, okay, we got a couple calls here. Let's jump on these calls real quick. All right, 317, you're on the show. 317, what up? All right, you didn't have a show last week, so I want to get into what happened there real quick. And I was telling everyone before how uh, Devin Haney would not knock out Jorge Linares. And one thing you can say that you'll definitely you'll definitely agree is that is definitely a weakness in Haney. He, he has no power at all, and you you can't say, oh well, he's like he's like Floyd. Oh, he has some power. He has no power. He can't hurt people. He has no power at all. He couldn't hurt a Jorge Linares at all. Couldn't hurt a, a faded Gamboa at all. He has no power. Devin Haney has no power whatsoever. This is Jack, right? Just want to make sure everyone knows. <laughs> What's up, Jack? Yeah. Yeah, man. I, yeah. Look, I agree with you. Um, Haney at 35, because he squeezes down into that weight and he's so young, he should have explosive power at that weight. But he's he's got minimal power at 35. When he goes up to 40, I actually think his stamina is going to be better and everything, but his legs will be a little better, but his power ain't going to improve. Yeah, he's never going to be a power puncher ever. Yeah, I was telling ever, And then I also told people, like I told you, man, I'm the prediction king. I also said, okay, guys, I could also see a Lenares TKO, but I'm leaving, I'm leaning towards uh, Haney on point. And, I mean, look, later on in the fight, he had him hurt. And who knows what happened if the bell didn't save him. But uh, besides that, also, I've been getting into betting lately. And I just want to say, how, how much of a steal was the Donaire-Ubali fight like? How retarded do you have to be to think that Ubali is going to beat like Donaire? Like, like, like he was such a big favorite. It's like you guys are so stupid. Was he like, really a big favorite? I didn't know that. Yes, dude. I bet five. I, I bet five dollars. No, no. I bet how much? I bet. Wait, wait. Let me check. Let me check the DraftKings real quick. So, uh, I bet. Okay, five dollars, and I won sixteen dollars and twenty-five cents. Damn. I should have bet a lot more. Yeah, I should have bet a lot more. And uh, another thing I wanted to say is, uh, yeah, we already got through that fight. Donaire's a legend. You can't count him out ever. Uh, but I saw this really funny tweet. Like, I don't know if you saw it after the Herd fight last night. So a, a, a tweet from Boxing Scene said, Jared Hurd said, I don't want no other fight next besides the Charlo Gustado winner. And then fucking uh, Cameron uh, Gillian like quoted the tweet and said, well, your next fight is going to be against Sam Eggington at fight camp on a ceiling my undercard, I'm afraid, mate. Oh, shit. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> I feel for Hurd, man. That's just, damn, that's rough. I, I Look, I respect the dude for wanting to fight the best, but, man, that performance. I didn't see the fight. Did yeah. you see it? 
his performance against Arias? Dude, it was so good. It was so – you got to watch it. It was such a fun fight. But – and I don't even think it was from J-Rock. I just think Arias, this was like the first guy he couldn't bully in weight. Okay. I mean, he wasn't yeah. bullying Arias. Arias was going toe-to-toe with him. And Arias, like, he lost to Luke Keeler, bro. Yeah. Like, who wins? Me, Luke Keeler. I beat, I beat Luke Keeler. No, I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. But, but come on. Luke Keeler? Come on now. Like, I don't. That fight was just weird. Like, like a better Arias a while back went like a full twelve rounds with like a prime Daniel Jacobs, without like getting. Well, he got dropped. Well, he got dropped against Hurd, but it was a flip. Then in the last second, like one second, like dude, I'm telling you, it was such a good fight. You got to watch it right after this. Uh, Okay. Last second, the the bell of round twelve, the bell rung, and one second after Hurd landed a punch, an overhand right, and it dropped. It dropped, whatchamacallit, uh, Arius, but the ref said it wasn't a knockdown, and, like, Hurd was pissed because he was round 12, and it was, like, a close round. But one second after the bell, Hurd dropped him, but they said it wasn't a knockdown. And it wasn't because it was after the bell. But that was a good-ass fight. Then one more thing I wanted to say about the Mayweather, like, Logan Paul thing. Dude, that was actually, like, I was surprised, not that it went the distance, but that Logan landed, like, right hands on him. I was like, wait, what the hell is this? I thought, and Floyd didn't like throw it all, but he actually landed like a bunch of jabs on Floyd. And I know it's like scripted and everything, but I was like, why the hell would they, why would Floyd let Logan hit him? Like, I was so shocked. Yeah, I doubt Floyd's reflexes are what they were, man, with the head movement and stuff. He probably, I think Floyd, if I had to guess, his, his thought process was, I'm going to choose which punches I get hit with. And I'm going to let myself get hit with jabs because I don't want to get hit with nothing big. So he probably let himself take a jab here and there to see the big shots coming, the big hooks, big uppercuts, big right hands to at least roll with them, partially, you know, move with them, that kind of thing. Uh, this guy in the chat. Uh, no, no, hey, hey, want to hear my impression of you, though? This is pretty good. Of who? Of me? John Uden. Yeah, <laughs> John Uden in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, John's not on today. Yeah. I, I don't know where John is. Uh, I don't know, but hey, hey, Justin S. Says, God, I'm I'm doing my inner YouTube. I really am. I'm 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 stealing your show. I said he said Justin. I said, damn, Jack predicted Haney would win by decision, but Lenars would still be a threat. Is this dude psychic or what? Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm actually so fucking good. And Mike, Mike, I also bet that the fight would go the distance, Hurd and Arias. I didn't even bet on Hurd winning decision. I just said it would I would have picked distance. that. Yeah, I would have picked that. I could say that's a smart bet. Yeah, no, you know, I, I don't bet because I'm not supposed to, so I don't get involved in that stuff. But, man, I've helped a lot of people make a lot of freaking money. But, yo, man, I got I got a few yep. other calls I got to jump to, bro. But thanks for calling in, man. Yeah, yeah, no problem. Hey, All I right. was just joking earlier, too. You got so pissed. You got so pissed I wasn't off pissed. Me, and I was like, yo, fuck you. You were like, it's my show, pal. It's so my like, show, pal. Chill. Why you gotta be a dick? Why you gotta be a dick about it? I'm not being a dick. <laughs> You're the one like, hey, get to the phone. So I'm like, fuck you. It's my show. No, 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 Mike. You said you said it's time. You said it's time for. Uh, you said it's also time for like three times. Then I said it's also time to answer the calls. <laughs> I know you're just talking shit, you. man. I didn't take I didn't take it personal at all, bro. Nah, you're all good, Jack. You're good. All right, man. man. All you. 
Get, get yeah, back to Myers. Get back to Myers so we could get you fired from your job, man. I called off today. Oh, uh, shit. I off today. You got to call again from work so, yeah. so I can fuck with your customers again. <laughs> yeah, paper only, bitch. <laughs> that was fucking great. All right, man. I'll talk to you later, Jeff. All right, man. All right. Peace out. Peace. There he goes. Uh, we got another super chat here I want to get to real quick. Uh, J&M with the super chat. Thank you so much, J&M. He says... Uh, I th- you know, I see J&M, by the way. My sister's name is Jennifer. So I think Jennifer and Michael. I think of my sister. Uh, anyway, he says, I don't agree. Haney has no power. Who is the guy Haney knocked out, out cold with an overhand right? Thanks, Mike. Yes, I remember that. Let's look it up because now I can't even remember who, the, who that guy's name was. Uh, I'm going to pull it up here on my trusty second monitor. <clears throat> But that wasn't Ab- Abdullayev, was it? Antonio Moran? I don't know, dude. It might have been Abdullayev. You guys are going to have to remind me because I – no, it wasn't Abdullayev. It must have been Antonio Moran. I think it was Antonio Moran uh, with a KO7. And uh, look, but it's Antonio Moran, right? So, And that's no disrespect. You guys, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was Antonio Moran, who is 26-4-1. I'm just pulling up his record here. Uh, he had a draw with Yomar Alamo. He lost to Jose Pedraza. No shame in that. Also has a loss to Emmanuel Lopez. A couple guys you never heard of, okay, back in Mexico. And this is also a guy who started his career. Yeah, he's pretty much fought at one, 135 for the most part. But, um, yeah, dude, it's Antonio Moran. That That's why. So, I look, to say that Haney can't punch at all, I think is unfair. I think he has decent decent power at 135 but when i look at a kid that's melting down boiling down to make 135 and i look at that kid who's 22 he should have explosive power at 35 right i mean that's what we see from tiafima lopez at 35 now he's a short compact little dude he just punches harder when he moves to 40 47 which tio ultimately will he is going to not have that same kind of power as he moves up, but at least he's got that explosive concussive power at 35 to start with. That's what you expect from a young guy melting down, right? Haney is a guy who's going to have to rely solely on his boxing craft. If you, if he catches a do with a shot that he doesn't see coming. Yeah. He can sleep you. Anyone can do that. Anyone can do that in pro boxing. Okay. Especially someone as skilled as Haney. But against the elite-level fighter, it's going to be hard to catch an elite-level dude at 35, 40, 47, et cetera, uh, with a shot that they don't see coming. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be hard to sleep guys at that elite level. Uh, so it's going to be a struggle for him. He's going to have to rely on skills. All right, we got a couple, a few more calls, and we're going to make these quick. All right, 570, you're on the show. What's up? Hey, is this Joe Piscopo? <laughs> What's up, man? Is this Thad? What's going hey, on? Is that correct? Yeah, that cracked me up. Yeah, uh, look, it, it's it's pretty simple. Devin Haney is what Teofimo Lopez said he was, and that's food. Once these guys know you have no power and no chin, it's all over. And and you're right. When he boils himself down to 35, this guy walks around about 170, okay? Yeah. And he has no, no power. He must have the smallest hands on the face of the earth. Uh, with that big body, because he's he's a part of snack with uh, Victor Conti. Yes. And you know he's got some things going on there to boil guys down. 
So it, it's just a matter of time. I think that Haney's dad, who's who's reluctant to put him in there with any killers, because let's be honest, he, uh, Linares at 36, he's no threat. And Giovanni, or the guy he fought previous to that, he was no threat, 38 years old, yeah. coming off an Achilles injury. Yeah. It's just a matter of time before Haney is uh, is exposed and goes goes the way of Eddie Hobson. Remember him? Mm, he fought on the uh, Wild World of Sports. Yeah, he he fought on uh, Wild World of Sports and Dan Deardorff and, and oh, all those God. guys were calling the fight. You got Tracy, Tracy Harris Patterson. Yeah, knocked him out in one round. And, and why is that? Because Eddie Hobson had speed, he had hype, and he and he had no chin. Well, that's mm. Devin Haney. And you could also say Terrence Carlton from Philadelphia, great tactical fighter, zero power whatsoever. Wasn't a pro fighter, basically, a great amateur. But that's Devin Haney in a nutshell. So anyone who wants to make money out there, as soon as Devin Haney has to fight a real uh, top-notch fighter, whoever it may be, Lomachenko or Lopez, Garcia, you name it, he's going to get sparked out. Hmm. So whatever you have in the bank, you put it on those guys. Hmm. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm limited on time. So um, if you could comment about that after. Um, but okay. one thing I want to I ask, um, George Cambosis, he said that if Lomachenko would have opened up earlier, he would have gotten him out of there, Tio Fimo. Um, he said that basically Tio, you know, he really can't take it. So he's going to probably come out in this fight, uh, opening up on him. And he's real fast. He's a fast fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, this looks like an easy under. I think this is going to be a, a, a KO for, for Lopez early. So uh, based on that, I think he tipped his hat on, on what he's going to do. Hmm. So uh, these, these Australian fighters are pretty tough, but they don't have that type of sparring down there you know, to really get – hit by big, big punchers. And, and Lopez is a big, big guy at lightweight. His hands and are massive. Lomachenko, because yeah. of his injury, very. He, yeah. and he's a big guy. Lomachenko's a small guy. He, he was right about Loma. Um, but again, if Loma opened up early, you know, who knows what could have happened. But uh, I think that's a, something everyone has to take a look at. And then um, with Pauli Malignaggi's comments about Deontay Wilder in the rematch, he said... Wilder is going to get demolished, but he had one point that I, I want you to comment. Will Wilder be in physical danger? Because the one guy in his corner, Mark Breland, was the only guy who really understood what boxing is about. Because now he has Malik Scott, who took a dive in the fight with Wilder. Basically, no character integrity. He's going to be calling the shots in that corner. So if he's taken a beating and a pummeling, which I think is going to happen. Fury is just going to steamroll this guy. Will they be able to pull Wilder out? Or will it be some kind of weird ending? Maybe Fury might even pull himself out and not wanting to end Wilder's life. I could honestly see something like that happening. Um, hmm. Something doesn't add up with that betting line. Because Fury is only minus 300. He's only 3, three to 1. He should be about 12 to 1. So something hmm. stinks in Denmark, to be quite honest. So yeah. I know you're pressed for time. If you want to just answer those questions and I'll listen. Okay, cool. I'll, I'll let you off. off. Offline. All right. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. So, um, some good points there by Thad. Um, really good point about the, the Lopez Cambosis fight uh, that I hadn't thought about. Um, before I answer that, got a super chat pledge from my man, CJ. 
CJ, thank you so much. He says, I'm just here so I won't get fined. Marshawn Lynch. Great quote. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Hope you guys are doing well out there in Vegas. I heard it was like a buck 20 or something recently. I don't know how you deal with that shit. Okay. Uh, Deontay Wilder. Look, I cannot reveal who I spoke with, but I spent about an hour talking to uh, a senior boxing insider um, Friday. Really, really good dude who actually reached out to me. We talked about a few different things, but we did hit on, we talked about some of the deals going on and stuff, gave me some insights and behind the scenes kind of insight into some of these deals, matchroom, uh, top rank, some of the deals that they have structured. But we also talked about the third fight between uh, Fury and Wilder because, I don't know, man, I'm starting to just get a weird feeling about that fight and that matchup. And I, I on the surface, okay, on the surface, um, it looks like this is Wilder's side trying to get paid one more time. That guarantee that they have in that contract gets them a certain amount of money, and they want to get into that third fight. But the timing of this thing, the way the arbitration worked out, the way Top Rank completely blew it, just everything involved. The, t- the Fury being, um, you know, preparing his body for a one specific opponent, one specific fight, and then coming out and now having to prepare for a different fight. Um, I just, I got this gut feel that we're in for a very competitive third fight. I don't know. It, my brain tells me what Thad said, that Fury should blow right through Wilder again. If you look at the, throughout the course of boxing history, after an absolute bludgeoning like that, generally speaking, the psychological factor is so heavy that if, that if they fight again, it kind of plays out the same way. And um, I don't know, man, like, that's how it should go, right? But something just tells me that there's something afoot. It just doesn't. It, some of the trickery and pile of tricks, as Lennox Lewis used to call them, uh, are present. And I heard some things, but this person that I talked to said, "Look, man, they they agree with that. They said that this this is going to be an absolute beatdown once again. This is just going to be an absolute beatdown, and the corner." Um, probably won't stop the fight. It's going to be up to the referee or somebody like that to stop the fight. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure. I do know that uh, Jay Diaz and um, uh, Malik Scott are more yes men, but I also know that Malik Scott was a fighter like Mark Breland was. And at some point as a fighter, you know, it. if you see your man getting beat up like that, you know what he's going through because you've been through that yourself to some degree. And at some point, your your heart has to kick in, your brain has to kick in. You just gotta say, even if it gets me fired, I'm gonna end this thing. I would like to think Malik Scott would end it if that happened again, but I don't know. So it's a good point that that brings up, and I you know I've talked to other people that kind of agree with him that this will be another one sided beating, and it won't be stopped. It'll kind of get really really ugly at some point to where the fans are kind of turned off. But for me, my gut feel here is that this third fight is going to be much more competitive than the rematch was. That's what I feel. I just feel that in my gut that we have a distance fight. Fury has $75 million on the line. If he wins this fight with Anthony Joshua, they had agreed to terms and principle and they had investors apparently that were willing to put up a buck 50 over there in the Middle East. So with that kind of money on the line, would you want to take a a risk or would you kind of play it safe in the ring? I remember when Canelo Alvarez fought Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. 
And I covered that event. I was ringside. Uh, me and my wife were there. And there are a lot of people saying, dude, what round is this going to end? Fourth round, fifth round. How, how soon before uh, Canelo just, just blows this guy out and destroys him? And I'm thinking, man, they got the announcement with Golovkin lined up. There's $50 million coming down the pike here with the, with the two fight. Actually, it's going to be more than that for Canelo because Gennady got that. So you're, you're talking, you know, life-changing money. He's going to play it safe. And what happened? Canelo and Chavez went the distance. And a lot of people were upset. But Canelo kind of laid off, did just enough, touched him just enough, laid off. And that's just kind of how I see this third fight. And I just wonder what the scorecards are going to read, man. I just... I got a weird feeling going into that third fight. All right, a couple more calls, guys. Then we're going to wrap it up. 818, you're on the show. What's up? 818. Hey, what's up, Mike? How you doing, bro? What's up, man? Well, can you hear me, bro? I can hear you. Yep. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing, bro? Um, hey, so uh, I know you watched that Logan Palm and Mayweather fight, bro. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I didn't watch a minute of it, man. Did you? <laughs> did you watch it? No, no, but you know what uh, I did catch it was um I was I was uh what's it called uh, curious about that herd and um Arias fight you know so I watched some highlights I don't know if you watched the highlights of it yeah yeah it looks like it was a great fight a lot of people uh, in the chat so it was a good fight Jack was on the line earlier so it was a great fight so I definitely going to check it out yeah I mean the highlights are pretty good man but uh, you know Jared Hurd um he he uh, I guess he was at one fifty four I guess this fight was at one fifty four uh, I believe. Um, no, it was 160. I man, think it was 160. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was at 160. Yeah. Either way, bro. You know, um, Hard looks way too big for 154 or 160. Man, I mean, this time around, you know, from what I was catching, I think he even looked bigger than his uh, other other fights at uh, 160. Um, I, you know, I guess just gained too much weight after, but he did look a little sluggish and. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> You know, I mean, uh, I guess he's a—he's uh, always—he's a decent fighter, and he's always, you know, just came up short. But uh, this time around, you know, um, he put a lot more effort. I think he just went all out on on, on this fight with Hurd. But you know, I—I I, I think it's going to be tough for her to to bounce back on this one, man. Um, he was never uh, the best boxer, and he did take a lot of punishment, you know, in his in his previous fights. But you know, for hard for him to bounce back and. I, I, unless, unless they rebuild him a little more and give him some, you know, uh, some chicken scratch or whatever. But, you know, what, what do you think about Hurd, man, right now as far as his loss? I mean, did you even think he was going to lose? No, I thought he was going to win. I mean, this this was a, a matched up for him to be matched tough to get in rounds, but to win. And uh, Luis Arias has been in there with guys like, I think, Daniel Jacobs, gone a distance. Um you know, he's been, he, he generally speaking goes rounds. He has been stopped. He has lost several times, but uh, for the most part, he goes rounds. And uh, this, you know, on, on the surface was good matchmaking, but he just, Hurd just didn't look the same, man. And I talked about this earlier when I reviewed the fight, um, even though I haven't seen it yet. I don't know where Jared Hurd goes from here because he, you know, was kind of a weight bully at 154. He was able to bully guys. And it took a fighter like J-Rock, who has really good, strong inside game that could get in there and, and, and fight back and push back and turn Jarrett Hurd uh, to really beat him. But now that, you know, that blueprint's out there, <clears throat> I, I just don't know because at 160, he, he's – or one, even 168 because, like you said, he still looks huge at 160. 
if he has to go up to 168, man, I just don't know how he's going to hang with the elite level guys. Uh, but I mean, Arius isn't even, I don't even know if he's a top 10 middleweight, you know, he's top 15, I guess. But if Hurd's losing to a guy like yeah. that, I don't know, bro. Yeah, I mean, Arias, he, he's, yeah, he's definitely, you know, I don't know if he's any, like you said, and he's not even a big 160 area. So that was just, yeah. uh, it's a really big blow to his, to his career, to Hurd's career. But I don't know, it'll be, like I said, we'll be able to rebuild. But um, either way, man, you know, um, I, just, I just caught your show right now. So I just kind of woke up. But with the Fury and, and um, Wilder fight, what you were saying, you know, um, you know, I mean, you know more than I do. Uh, boxing is full of bullshit, bro. You know, it's all a soap opera. The only thing that's real are the fights. Yeah. And yeah, it, it's more than more than iffy how it all went down with with the whole negotiations. And yeah, man, it looks why weird. doesn't look weird, bro. Fury's happening. It just it just looks weird, it man. Lo it, it looks more than weird. <laughs> yeah, in top rank. They've been in business for over 50 years. They generally speaking, they play the long game on stuff like this. They're pro they're usually way ahead of the curve on these sorts of negotiations for them to blow it like this. It just, it just looks strange, man. And, and the timing of it, the way everything's working, it could just be that they're doing a great job selling this thing and I'm buying into it. But I just got, I just got this feel that we got a distance fight and I wonder about those scorecards. I just don't know what we're going to get. Uh, with this third fight between Fury and Wilder. Well, you know, if anything, man, yeah, um, the the scorecards will probably read, in my opinion, for Wilder. He is American fighter, and you know, he still definitely can sell, especially if he wins this fight. So yeah. I don't know where, you know, the whole, um, the, I guess, the advantage point for Fury would be in this case, but I think. Them making this fight also, you know, um, not 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 handling the whole arbitration situation it is kind of iffy, especially when you know it was so close to to getting the Joshua uh, fight done. So I mean, it could go either way in this at this point, but you know, it, it comes down to Wilder seems already. I'm assuming would have already known. As, as well as Bob Arum, they would have already known, you know, what what the arbitration outcome would have been. But I don't know how long it would take, uh, how long it was into the arbitration. But there should be should have been a point in time when you kind of get an idea of what you know the outcome would be. Yeah. And nobody ever said anything. You know, I guess the only one that got you know, gypped at this point is Eddie Hearn. But yeah. You know, like you said, uh, Fury has a lot of money on the line, so I, you know, it, it's I he sh he should be pissed <laughs> at the whole situation. Yeah, I would I would be furious, man. And just the thing is with with Wilder, here's here's you know I could spend an hour talking about this when you get into all the conspiracy shit, which I I don't like to go down that road. But you know, last year, uh, Top Rank's side, Fury's side, was willing to talk to Wilder's side about doing the third fight. They talked about doing it toward the end of the year. They explored it, and Wilder's side, the management was like, "Well, we want fans because we need fans to sell tickets." you know, to, to make money for the guaranteed, you know, the guaranteed purses, this, that, the other. And they wanted to wait until there was fans. That was their explanation for why they were delaying everything last year when top rank was willing to make the third fight. They, they wanted to get that shit out of the way at the end of last year. Wilder's side didn't because they wanted to make more money selling tickets. 
that then it goes into arbitration as soon as Bob Arum and, and Fury and those guys are like, ah, we're going to move on and make this fight with Joshua then. Then it goes into arbitration, and then Wilder's side starts saying, nah, dude, this is about honoring the contract. This is about legacy. I, I want this fight to get revenge, blah, blah, blah. Well, dude, you could have had the fight for revenge last year. It just seems that the timing of it's opportunistic. It's kind of shady. I do think it's all about money. They they wanted to they are doing it now because they can sell tickets and, and make some money. Although I think this is gonna this this fight's gonna struggle. It's not gonna sell as well as the rematch did. But it's just I don't know, man. The whole thing looks weird, and it's held up the entire fucking sport for a year now. I'm just over it. I just want to get this fight done. But isn't it funny? As soon as the arbitration ruling goes down, about a week later, we had an announcement for the fight. And it's not like the fight's happening in September. It's happening next month, dude. It's just, it just looks funny, man. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, that's exactly where, uh, you know, all this is, is looks fishy and all that, you know. But you know what? Um, I'll be watching this fight regardless and see what happens. Um, but one last thing, man. I, I know you posted something on Twitter about, you know, people taking shit the wrong way or whatever, yeah. you know. Um, it, 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 I, I'm, you know, I'm on Twitter, right? I'm only on there just for like the boxing. That's pretty much all I, you know, look up and follow. And, um, you know, I, I'll tweet here once in a while. I'm not a big, like, you know, I don't, I don't socialize on there or whatever you call it on there at all. I'm just there for that. And that's it, you know, but I do make comments once in a while. <clears throat> and it, <laughs> You know, it's funny because I have no followers. I don't care about, I don't, it doesn't matter to me. You know, like it's, you know, that's not even an important thing to me. But it's funny how sometimes I post up some stuff, you know, and people just go ahead and their comeback is, you know, says the one with no followers and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, it's a lot of people really serious on there, you know, and I'm like, really, I'm, I'm I guess I'm surprised because I'm, you know, I'm not one of those social media guys, how the, all that com- works on online. But I'm not like, and I can see how people can really, I was talking to my one about my woman about this, you know. But I can see how people that are really into social media, like that's their livelihood, can get offended by comments that other people make, you know, uh, about about whatever it is that they're commenting or or about followers or likes or whatever, you know, <laughs> because yeah, uh, it, you know, it, it's like it's like a mind game sometimes on there. But holy crap, bro! Like I didn't realize how how bad that was. I guess I don't pay that much attention to it. <laughs> You're better off, bro. It's it's a it's a really nasty place. And some people don't like me talking about it here on the show, but it's just, you know, I, people don't understand. I get shit on Twitter and it's not just Twitter. It's, it's on all the social media platforms, but specifically Twitter every day, dude, I get nasty DMS. I get nasty uh, responses to my tweets every day. I could literally tweet, man, what a beautiful sunrise this morning. And somebody will respond, fucking racist. What about the moon, bro? Don't you think about the fucking moon? You're always talking about the sun. You know, it just, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I can see how, I mean, you, you know, because uh, you're part of, the, like, you know, me, the media on <laughs> for a sport, how that goes with you, man. That's so bad for you. But, hey, man, don't even worry about it, bro. Yeah, I laugh it at is. it. I just Let laugh it at it. All right. Hey, woman, thanks for the, uh, for your time and, uh, another day, another dollar. All right, brother. Have a good one. Me too. All right. We're going to jump to the last call of the show. So this worked out guys. This worked out perfect. We got the calls at the end. 
So this is working out great. We got some great calls today. All right, five one three. You're the last call of the show. Go. Hey, Michael, how you doing? This is Andrew. Uh, I might not be able to catch the show next week, so I got a real simple question for you. I right. looked at the schedule. They got a lot of fights, uh, not this weekend, but next weekend. I was just wondering, which one are you going to be watching live? <laughs> Great question. June 19th is loaded, dude. Everybody's fighting on June 19th. Um, I will actually be working. There is a fight card here in Atlanta. I'm actually going to have some fighters from that card on my show next week. Uh, I don't know if you remember Yuri Foreman. He was a, a title holder at junior middleweight for a while. He's going to be on that show and a few others. And I'm going to be doing the ringside commentary. There's going to be a live stream for that show on the internet. And I'll be doing commentary along with Zahir Rahim. I don't know if you remember him. Uh, he beat Eric Morales once. Uh, he was a good fighter out of Philly. Really good amateur, a good pro. So me and him are going to be calling the action from ringside. My wife will be there doing photography. That's at Buckhead Fight Club here in Atlanta. Terry Moss is the promoter. So that's where I'll be. And so I won't see any of these fights live, dude. I'm going to be working that night. So there's the answer. I know it's a sellout answer, but <laughs> that's the answer. <laughs> Well, uh, well, help me out here a little okay, bit. Okay, all right, all right. What I'm going to tune into, if you had the opportunity. Well, you could turn into the the fights I'll be covering. Uh, well, I, you know, I'll actually post a link that you guys can um can check out with um. Yeah, I, I'm actually looking up the schedule. I want to make sure I don't miss anything, but I'll po I'll send you guys a link where you can watch me. Uh, so whatever you do, whatever you watch, at least pull up on your laptop or something and, and watch my stuff that I'll be doing uh, ringside. But we've got in a way fighting on ESPN. Uh, and that's pretty much going to be a one-sided fight. We've got the trailer pay-per-view. Now here's the thing, dude. So with the trailer pay-per-view, you got to pay for that. That's Lopez Cambosis. And then what else? I know we got more than that. We've got Jamal Charlo in a one-sided beatdown. So that's, eh. That's a pretty decent card, though, on Showtime. we got some other fights on there that are interesting. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. is fighting Anderson Silva on a pay-per-view from Jalisco. His father's fighting on that card. By the way, Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. follows me. How cool is that? He retweets my shit sometimes. That's so cool. <laughs> uh, Jaime Munguia <laughs> is fighting Macias Sulecki on The Zone. And Beck the Bully's fighting on that. Oof, you know what? That might get my vote, dude, because I want to watch Blair Cobbs is on that show. He's fun to watch. Beck Tamir, Melikuziev is fighting. Beck the bully. He's fun to watch. Jaime Munguia is fun to watch. If I had to choose between these, I might watch that The Zone card. Um, and it's also in El Paso, Texas. That's going to have a good crowd. I'm going to see who's on the undercard. Yeah, this uh, this... Lopez Cambosis undercard is kind of crap. And the but Inoue. The, the thriller commentary tends to make up for the lack of an undercard. Well, that's a good point. Okay. So, so let me ask you um, Are you a fan of the thriller production? How, you know, you're going to see concerts, you're going to see uh, Snoop Dogg getting high as fuck with Al Bernstein cursing it up. Like, well, well I, I find it interesting. Like the whole trailer production thing, but my my thought is like, okay, the the whole Paul brothers fighting and the Showtime signed them. 
which I don't like. Like, if you're going to be a sideshow, do it right. Yeah, <laughs> I completely really, agree with you. One thing they get right, they do sideshow right. And I'm just kind of real curious to kind of, I kind of want to see it, how a, an actual boxing card would look with the trailer. Yeah, and you know what? Um, and all that stuff going Boxing and Bulldogs here in the chat brings up a good point. Uh, that Triller card is the return of Jim Lampley. He's going to call the action for uh, uh, Lopez Cambosis, that card. So if you want to see Jim Lampley getting high with Snoop Dogg, that's going to be a free show. <laughs> maybe that's the one, bro. If money's not an option and you don't mind spending the pay-per-view dollars, maybe that's the one. Because I can, you know, that's the thing I'm thinking of. Like, you know, I it, it, the Triller card's the one I'd really want to just watch live. And, like, I wouldn't really care to catch up on it. And the other ones I could just, you know, watch the rest of the weekend because, you know, DAZN's real true. handy with uh, on demand. You just go back, watch the whole fight card replay. <laughs> that's a that's a real, good point, brother. Set up for that. Yeah, Andrew Smith in the chat says, Triller right. said this will be a more traditional broadcast. I don't know. I don't know if Triller's capable of doing traditional broadcasts. We shall see. But you bring up a good point, bro, that if you want to watch one of them live, you can DAZN, ESPN Plus, you can watch all that stuff later. Same with Showtime. So maybe you should watch the Triller one live. Yeah, that, that might that might be what I do. Uh, uh, appreciate you taking my call and happy early birthday. So. Thank you so much, man. Thanks a lot. All right, All right take bro. it easy. You too, man. There he goes. And Adam P in the chat says, "One last Lampley cry. I'm down." Lampley does cry a lot, doesn't he? And it, you know what? I love Jim Lampley's commentary. Love his commentary. Okay, I think that. Um, He's always done a, a great job and, you know, best in the business, obviously. But dude does cry a lot. And it's kind of fun just to have fun with it. Like, there's so many memes of him crying and the bang, bang, bang. Come on, let's fight. Let's fight right now. Bang, bang. That's just funny. All the memes you guys make about that stuff, I can't help but, you know, forward them and laugh at it and stuff. He does say some funny stuff, and he does do some silly stuff when he cries. Uh, you could just be like, Jim Lampley makes a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, and some of the peanut butter gets over the crust, you know. Peanut butter got on the countertop, and he starts crying. Like, he'll cry about any damn thing. So he probably, especially if he gets high with Snoop, he'll probably cry this Saturday. Or next Saturday, I should say. All right, guys. Uh, that's it, man. Great show, everybody. Uh, we'll do it again next week, all right? I'll be 42 years old next week. Crazy! All right. See you at the fights. Peace.